Welcome to the second season of the Gutsy Health Podcast with Shanique Roney and Gina Warfel, where we share uncomplicated, practical, and affordable wellness education so you can be a self-healing champion. This episode is brought to you by the Gutsy Health Membership Program, a program that gives you inexpensive tools and resources to heal your mind, body, and soul. Visit our website at mygutsyhealth.com. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Gutsy Health Podcast. I have my co-host, Gina Warfel, and today we're going to talk about one of my most favorite topics of all time. Our favorite topics, right, Gina? <laughs> like, yeah. We love talking gut, and I figured that it's been a while since we've done a podcast on gut health, and yet gut dysfunction is so systemic. Like, it's such a systemic problem. I think it's something like eight out of 10 people have digestive issues. And so if you're sitting here wondering like, well, I don't have a digestive issue. Um, let's go through some signs and symptoms of gut imbalances because we actually are now in a day and age where we have normalized gut imbalances. Like for instance, are you bloated after meals? Do you burp a lot? Are you constipated? Do you have diarrhea? What other things could you think of, Gina, that like are signs and symptoms of gut distress? Yeah, I think some people just say, well, you know, I get like that occasional heartburn like into time, you know, every once in a mm -hmm. while or... You know, yeah, I get that. You know, I do get a little bit bloated. Like my stomach kind of sticks out after I eat. But doesn't everybody's hear those things? Like, yeah, I, I only, you know, I might only be going to the bathroom once every couple of days. But like, that's kind of a normal thing, right? And right. I think just because it's common, we start to now assume that common equals normal. Normal. Mm -hmm. And how it's connected to everything in our bodies. And right. Well, and like you said, like heartburn, how many people are on PPIs, proton pump inhibitors, which are antacids? Totally. I think it's one of the most prescribed medications in America. And, and improperly prescribed medications. Improperly. Like that medication, you're only supposed to be on that medication for, I think it's, what is it, like a few 14 weeks. days or something? Or yes. two weeks, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, 14 days, right, two weeks. And, and it, most people are put on, on it, for it years. prescribed it, and left on it for years. Well, and this is what I actually learned from a doctor. He said, if your doctor prescribes you an antacid and you are on it for more than five years, they actually have to screen you for stomach and esophageal cancer, right? So you're literally taking a medication that puts you at a higher yep. risk for cancer. And my so question is like... who doesn't know... Go ahead. I just want to clear up for anyone who doesn't know what a PPI is, it actually blocks the acid in your stomach. So mm -hmm. if you have acid reflux, we're diving right in. Yeah. <laughs> if you have acid reflux and your doctor prescribes you a PPI, that means they're suppressing the acid, which you think like, oh, great, we're suppressing the acid, but it's but actually no. not fixing the origin of the problem. Right. And I had a really great speaker at a conference say, he's one of the best functional medicine doctors in the US. And he said, when someone is on a PPI, I consider their bodies to be decaying. Yes. And the reason why is because they're not digesting their no. food and they're not absorbing their food. So they have a decaying body. Yes. Like you start ex Ooh. like aging faster. Think of it this way. Let's say you have to like repair your house every year and you need like 20 bricks, but now you're only buying five bricks, right? So your house is going to get more and more and more problems every year and it's going to break down more and more and you just don't have the building blocks to replace and repair it. And um, we'll get into the nitty gritty of like hydrochloric acid because, you know, you're literally taking a drug to block your hydrochloric acid production. And I always say that hydrochloric acid, stomach acid is the holy grail to digestion. It is the first domino in the domino effect of digestion. And when you block that, the rest of your digestion is off. And not only that, but it changes the pH of your chyme and your food that's being digested, which 
that change in pH changes the pH of the environment, which changes which microbiome explore, which microbiome exists, right? And so you get this overabundance of bad bacteria to good bacteria. So before we go into more of the science of that, what are some other signs and symptoms of digestive issues and microbial imbalances apart from heartburn and gassiness and constipation or diarrhea? While I'm on this topic, if you guys go on Google and you just look up Bristol scale, B-R-I-S-T-O-L scale, you're going to see a number from one to seven and images of poop next to those numbers. You want to be a four. So go and look up poop, <laughs> go look up the Bristol scale and see if you're a four. And if you're a four, your poops are sinking, phenomenal. If they're floating, not super awesome. You have digestive distress. A lot of people are either on the one, two, or they're like six, sevens where they're just, they've got diarrhea. And so check your poop, right? Make sure you're observing your poop. Your poop is a great sign and tell of what's going on internally. Another thing too, that if you don't recognize you have digestive issues is you have skin disorders, right? Like you have eczema or psoriasis, you're itching all the time. Um, These are signs of gut dysfunction. Another sign that isn't as common, but this could be you or a friend is there's this lump in your throat feeling, right? You just feel like there's like Mm -hmm. this lump and it goes away after you eat, but then it comes back, right? And that's an autonomic disturbance of your nervous system. Another one is burping. A lot of people get really burpy. And so that's a sign of low hydrochloric acid and digestive dysfunction. So if you burp a lot after meals, um, you shouldn't be doing that. All right. Did we miss anything, Gina, or should we go right into brain and nervous system connection? Yeah. And and I think just to touch on that brain and nervous system connection is things like brain fog, anxiety, depression, mood disorders. I mean, there's such a direct connection. Let's just dive right into that. Anxiety and depression definitely Mm -hmm. start in the gut. And this was somebody had just actually, I'm so glad that we're talking about this because someone had just reached out their Instagram and she was like, I'm trying so hard to heal my gut issues Mm -hmm. and I don't know where to begin because every time I feel like I get stressed or my nervous system gets activated, I'm starting over again and it just continues to trigger my gut issues. Where do I begin? And so let's dive into that brain connection. Well, and I want to make a really bold statement and just tell listeners that if you don't fix your stress, you won't fix your gut. It's not going to happen, right? Right. Because your brain is literally, you know, through that vagus nerve, your brain is telling your digestive organs how much of their juices they need to secrete, right? And so most people have heard this before, but if you haven't, there's two nervous system responses. There's fight or flight or rest and digest. Most of us are in a flight or flight response that is called sympathetic dominance. And so when we are in this fight or flight response, your body is prioritizing hormones like cortisol and dilating your vessels to get blood to muscles so that you can like run from a bear. But unfortunately, in our modern day society, we're not running from a bear. We're sitting in front of a computer, right? Or we're having heated discussions or we're scrolling on Instagram and we're seeing some really inflammatory posts on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Or we are busy raising children and trying to work, or we are in a hard relationship, or we are at work where there is a boss that's really difficult, right? So unfortunately, our society is like based off of this terrible baseline of stress and anxiety and this heightened response to this fight or flight nervous system response, I guess. So how do we fix that, right? Because when we are in a rest and digest and heal state, which is, is the parasympathetic nervous system, 
it's literally called rest and digest, right? You have to be resting in order to have proper digestion. Now, let me take you through what is happening in your stomach when you are in a rest and digest state, right? So let's create a scenario. You get home, you play with your kids, you're all relaxed and you're excited to be there. You are chopping up vegetables very, very meditatively in your kitchen, preparing dinner. You're smelling your food, you're touching your food, you're tasting your food. And so it's triggering all of these pleasure centers in your brain um, that already heightening this like state of euphoria that you're in, right? You're in this rest and digest and connected space. And now you are creating a meditative practice around your food. And so as you're preparing your food and you put it on your plate, you're now masticating it nice and slowly, right? Because remember, we're resting. So instead of like chewing it five times and swallowing, we're actually chewing our food about 40 to 60 times. And that's a lot of chewing. I want you guys to like count how many times you chew your food. Actually, I think that's a high number. I think closer to 30 to 40 chews, right? Post I don't love counting. One of my favorite rules is like just to take a bite and then put your fork down and sit back. And like, mm, let that I love down, that. Slow down your pace. Because sometimes I even think counting is like one, two. Like, do mm-hmm. I want to be thinking about like numbers and counting like as right. I'm eating? But just to have that like signal of just like take a bite and then put down the shovel, right? Like right. we're used to like shoveling it yes. in your mouth and getting somewhere and hurrying. Mm-hmm. It's like, just put the shovel down sit back and right. like actually notice, you mm-hmm. know, how chewed up is your food. Right. Well, and it should be kind of slimy. It should be really, really masticated and slimy <laughs> before it goes down your mouth. Right. But I want to rewind a little bit because as you were prepping your food and you were in this happy state, what your brain was doing as you were touching and smelling and tasting your food was it was starting to produce hydrochloric acid in your stomach. So your digestion has already begun before you started eating. All right. And because your body just from seeing and smelling. Yes. Just from seeing and smelling, your body is now creating hydrochloric acid and a lot of it in your stomach. Right. We actually need a robust amount of hydrochloric acid to properly digest our food. And I want to go back to why hydrochloric acid is the holy grail to digestion, because when we have this robust release of hydrochloric acid, it triggers other hormones and chemicals in the body. And one of the chemicals and hormones is cholecystokinin. And cholecystokinin triggers the liver to produce bile and the gallbladder to start contracting. But then there is another hormone, it's called secretin. And secretin starts prepping the pancreas to start producing digestive enzymes to break down food as well. So even before you've put food in your mouth, you've been touching it, thinking about it, smelling it. And now your hydrochloric acid is being produced and it's triggering cholecystokinin and secretin to get the other digestive organs prepped and ready to break down food, right? And now you're slowly masticating your food. I love that word, mastication. Oh my gosh. Because people think it's another dirty word. And so every time I use it in classes, you can see eyes are getting big. I'm like, no, it's not what you're thinking. I'm sorry. That's just my 12-year-old humor right there. And so as we're like chewing this food and now it's getting into our stomachs, And it is being rocked around in your stomach with all that rugae and like all those muscles and it's mixing with the hydrochloric acid, right? Remember how we had that robust release of hydrochloric acid. Hydrochloric acid's other primary function is to break down protein. So if you want your body to heal and repair itself, you need to eat but digest and absorb protein. Another thing hydrochloric acid does is it triggers intrinsic factor for you 
to absorb your B vitamins. So if you don't have a robust release of hydrochloric acid, you're not producing, you're not breaking down proteins, and you're not able to absorb your B vitamins, right? So there's another thing that hydrochloric acid does. This is why it's the holy grail to digestion. It's amazing. When we're in a rest and digest state, what hydrochloric acid also does is when we have a robust release of it, it triggers something called the LES, the lower esophageal sphincter, to close. Now, what is the lower esophageal sphincter? When you're eating your food, it's going down your esophagus and into your stomach. And then as it passes the esophagus into the stomach, it passes that LES, that lower esophageal sphincter. And when we have enough hydrochloric acid, that sphincter closes. So it's like closing the door in a room and it's allowing all that hydrochloric acid and the food in the stomach to slosh around without it coming back up your esophagus, right? So it's literally like now it's closed, boom. But if we don't have enough hydrochloric acid, when we're in a sympathetic dominant state, so when we're in fight or flight and we don't have a lot of hydrochloric acid production, that LES stays open. And guess what? Our food that was mixing with a little bit of hydrochloric acid, but LES wasn't triggered to close, it's now coming up that past that sphincter up the esophagus and you are now experiencing heartburn. So is heartburn really a symptom of too much hydrochloric acid or too little hydrochloric acid? Which one is it? It's too little. Too little. Exactly. Most of the time. Most of Unless the time. Unless you have like a tumor that is excessively producing hydrochloric acid. Yes. Almost always it's actually too little acid. And then we take the PPIs to suppress mm-hmm. the acid and it just makes the problem actually worse. Exactly. And now remember when I said when you suppress the hydrochloric acid, you're not breaking down protein and you're not absorbing your B vitamins. And you're not triggering the gallbladder to contract. You're not triggering the liver with the cholecystokinin to produce bile. And you're not triggering the pancreas with secretin to produce pancreatic enzymes to further break down your food. So what are you digesting? What are you absorbing? And I think a great example, this really helped me see the power of, even if I couldn't remember all of the steps of digestion and what's happening, I think a really powerful example that really helped me remember was like, think of a piece of protein as like a pearl necklace. And every little pearl is an amino acid. I love that. And our bodies only absorb amino acids, not whole pieces of protein. So if you're just like swallowing down your food or you're barely chewing it and you're in fight or flight, let's say like you're eating really fast, you're on your phone or you're watching TV, your brain never got the signal that it's time to digest. And so if that protein reaches your intestines and it's not into a little amino acid and it's not ready to be absorbed, it's actually just going to create a lot of inflammation and actually aggravate the gut. And your immune system is responsible for looking at food and saying, Mm -hmm. this is normal or this is foreign, right? Like this is a pathogen, we have to attack it. Mm -hmm. So protein shouldn't be an entire whole protein strand by the time it gets to your gut. So your immune system is going to be like, wait a minute, this is an amino acid. What is this? Mm -hmm. And it could, not 100% will, but it could start actually flagging that every time you eat that food, creating Mm -hmm. inflammation in the gut. So we really don't give ourselves enough credit for the power of just sitting down, closing down our computers, chewing our food, and really getting our digestion on point with enough hydrochloric acid in order to heal our guts. And so it's so connected to the mind and the nervous system. If you want to heal leaky gut and inflammation or autoimmunity, like Mm -hmm. it is in the gut and it also starts with the nervous system as well. A hundred percent. I love that you mentioned that because how many people now have like, normal food allergies to like beef or chicken or turkey, right? Right. And it's because of this 
partially digested food that we are chronically putting in our guts that's supposed to be fully digested. And, and again, like our bodies are not that sensitive, but if you've been doing this to yourself for decades, you know, like your body's going to get tired of like not having properly digested food. And another thing to consider too is, you know, having chunky food that's not digested by enzymes and hydrochloric acid and that release of bile, it acts kind of like sandpaper in the gut and it triggers that immune response. And like you said, and so it's creating leaky gut. And not only that, it is rotting and fermenting in your gut, which attracts bad bacteria. So not only are we creating leaky gut, but we are feeding bad bacteria, which love rotting food. So here's a really great way to know that you're not digesting your protein. If you have really stinky gas, right? If like think of rotting meat in a trash can out in like the middle of summer, right? It reeks. Now that's happening in your gut. So if you have really stinky gas in your gut, there's literally rotting meat in your gut that bad bacteria is having a field day on and it's creating all kinds of inflammation, all kinds of releases of lipopolysaccharides, which are very pro-inflammatory chemicals in the body, which trigger all kinds of immune responses. Like it's not good. And so if you're wondering like, how could Janique and Gina create an entire podcast around digestion? This is it. (laughs) Like, there is so much. We could go on for, for hours. In fact, I mean, this is definitely just a little glimpse into it, but mm. don't start stressing if you're like, yeah, oh my don't. gosh, all of those things are me. Because now remember, I'm stress ruins out. your gut. My gut is ruined. <laughs> my brain is sabotaging my body. I can't trust myself anymore. We really just want you to feel how important it is. Right. And it's not just take your probiotics, right? It's not yeah. just like do the gut things. I heard that probiotics are good. Is that what's going to fix everything? But like looking at the whole picture of like you as a whole human Mm -hmm. and really think checking in on your body and like noticing how your mind regulates your gut and getting really sensitive to that. And that's where we prioritize like in the order of healing, we prioritize mind and nervous system before we even reach the gut. Right. I'm not fully done with my digestion story. So I'm going to go back to, remember, we masticated the food. It's now in the stomach. It's sloshing around (laughs) with all that hydrochloric acid. And that robust release of hydrochloric acid started releasing hormones to the liver and the gallbladder, which is next in the digestive steps. And so now the liver and the gallbladder, they've been prepped to produce bile and to, remember, the liver makes bile, the gallbladder stores bile, and the gallbladder has to contract like a muscle to release the bile onto the food. So now that ball of partially digested food from the stomach is moving on past where the liver and the gallbladder are, and that cholecystokinin triggers all the bile to kind of be released onto the food, right? And now remember in the stomach, hydrochloric acid's primary job is to digest proteins. Well, bile's primary job is to digest fats. And so now we have this robust release of bile on your food that's helping to emulsify fat. It goes past where the pancreas now releases its pancreatic enzymes and juices. And remember, the pancreas has been primed and prepped and ready because secretin was triggered by the robust release of hydrochloric acid. And now the pancreas is releasing its robust amount of pancreatic juices and enzymes on the food. And the food's breaking down even more, right? Now we have protein, fat, and carbohydrate digestion by the pancreas. Now it's so broken down that when it gets to the small intestine, that's where absorption starts to happen. And we actually aren't supposed to have a lot of bacteria in our small intestine. It's supposed to be further down in the colon. 
And so if you're finding earlier on in your day, like when you're eating a meal that you're bloated and you're gassy, like right after a meal, chances are you have bad bacteria that's crept up into your small intestine, potentially SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So that's too much of the wrong bacteria is in the wrong place, like in your small intestine, right? So you shouldn't be bloated and gassy like right after a meal. It should just be further being absorbed into that small intestine because it's super, super emulsified now by all those juices. And then as it goes through the small intestine, how many feet are there of the small intestine? Is it something like 24 feet? Like you got a lot of intestine, guys. Maybe that includes the rectum too and the colon. But it's something remarkable. Like this is how important digestion is. I learned this in a class. If they took all of your intestines and unfolded them, like all flat, right? Create one surface, it would cover a football field. That's how much surface area is needed to absorb food. That's how important absorption is, right? Our digestion is 15 feet or more in length. Thank you. According to a 2014 study. Thank you. It's about 15 feet or more. And then including the colon, it's like an extra something feet. So 15 feet or more. To total. Oh, total. Perfect. Okay. That's what it says. But it has all this surface area because of how it's folded in on itself, right? Like it has like these fun little folds. And the reason why is because absorption is that important, right? Because you aren't what you eat, you are what you absorb. And so if you're not absorbing your building blocks, if you're not absorbing, and I'm going to use like your body to house, if you're not absorbing your bricks and your cement, you're not healing and repairing your body. You are aging at an accelerated rate. You are getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And so if we want to reverse health problems, we need to make sure our absorption is on point. And that's why when it comes to the order of healing, one mindset is number one, because we got to get our stressors like, and again, people are probably like, what does mindset have to do with all the things? Well, we got to unpack traumas. We got to unpack stressors. We got to unpack environments. We got to unpack all the things that are triggering that fight or flight response in your body. We got to heal them, right? And then, you know, next is mitochondria, but then third is gut. And that like gut is just so important before you fix your hormones, before you want to go and fix your skin, before you fix your energy, we got to make sure we are absorbing the building blocks necessary to fix all the other things. And so, yeah, and then your food goes down into the colon where there's a bunch of bacteria and where you're absorbing water and leftover minerals, and then it comes out in poop. And the transition time is supposed to be around 24 hours, I think. Gina, do you want to double check that? So if you want to do a fun experiment and eat beets and see if you get bright red poop in 24 hours, that would be kind of fun. (laughs) And you can check your transition time. And if it's longer than that, it's too long. And we need to work on more fiber and probiotics and healthy healing foods. And if it's shorter than that, chances are you have inflammation in your bowels. And we need to get you on anti-inflammatory foods, probiotics and less stress. Because again, stress is going to cause irritation in the, throughout the nervous system, which then causes irritation in the muscles of your gut. Is there anything you want to add to that, Gina? Yeah, according to Mayo Clinic, they say it's about 36 hours. So but could be anywhere from 24 to 72. But I would say 72 is probably... That's way not. too long. I, I think it was also really just powerful for myself that I never saw myself as a person with like gut issues, right? Mm -hmm. Like I was like, nope, I've got a gut of steel. Like I'm great. Like I have no issues for a long time. And I didn't actually really realize like the subtleties in energy and nutrients. And it was really interesting was when I started seeing, like looking, really observing my nails. 
Like my nails mm-hmm. became such a really powerful feedback tool for me to see how my digestion is doing. And right. now when I really make sure like I'm focusing on being in like a rest and digest state, I'm calming my nervous system before I eat. I'm making sure if I need to add in a little HCL or getting my hydrochloric acid on point, I'm eating enough protein, I'm chewing it, I'm digesting it. It's actually amazing to see like the strength and the changes in my nails. I'll get like yes. those little dips and ridges in my nails. Mm-hmm. If I'm, not really thinking about eating enough protein and digesting it really well and getting out of that fight or flight state. So it's really interesting. Like I didn't really see myself as a person with gut issues, but then I started to notice my physical body changing. Right. So clearly I wasn't digesting my proteins properly. Mm-hmm. And then I'd get labs done and all my protein levels were on like a lower end until right. I really started focusing. I'm like, am I putting in the work to really make sure my gut health is good as it could be? And actually seeing my physical body change from that is pretty outstanding. It really is. It, you know, again, like when there's inflammation in the gut, there's systemic inflammation everywhere else, you know, and um, something that we didn't mention before, if you are getting chronic like strep throat or ear infections or yeast infections or UTIs, or if you suffer from bacterial vaginosis or, you know, any kind of thing that keeps coming back, it's all just a mirror of what's happening in your gut. It's a mirror of what's happening in your digestive tract. It's a mirror of what your microbiome is doing. And like we mentioned earlier before, partially undigested food is going to mess with your microbiome. It's going to cause a lot of bloat and gassiness and inflammation, and it's going to trigger inflammatory cascades that are going to release lipopolysaccharides, which creates a ton of inflammation in the body. And that inflammation can honestly travel anywhere. It can cross the blood brain barrier. It can manifest in your joints. It can manifest as brain fog. It can manifest as any kind of autoimmune dysfunction, thyroid disorders. I always, like if you have a thyroid issue, if you have Hashimoto's or Graves' disease or any kind of thyroid autoimmune, you have leaky gut and you need to, one, get on top of your stress, obviously, but two, heal your gut. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like, one, getting out of sympathetic dominance and into a parasympathetic state. So get out of fight or flight and into rest and digest and heal. But two, it can and look I like, think, go ahead. Well, I just want to say, if, if you're looking for a tangible takeaway on that, because a lot of people are like, okay, great. Let me just switch on and get out of fight or flight. Right? right. It can actually be really simple. And so if you are switching your body out of that fight or flight state, it can really be as simple as you sit down before you eat. You take a few slow breaths in through your nose, not through your mouth. And you just take a slow breath into your lower belly around where your belly button is. And that's just a really easy thing that you can do. You take about three slow breaths and then you can actually feel your body's fight or flight system and your cortisol and everything just slow down, like everything calm down and settle. So just really easy. Just take a few slow breaths in through your nose, in your lower belly. I love that. And it's slow too, because how many times do we like, like do these like big yoga breaths and like really amps us up. Right. And it's like, no, you, it's actually like activating we, the nervous system it is it's activating your sympathetic state. Right. But that low right. and slow, it's like, you kind of want to like put yourself to sleep. I remember when you taught me or you taught right. the gutsy members that breathing technique, I thought I was going to take a nap. And that is not like me because I'm keyed up all the time. Right. And I was like, man, I can take a nap now. And I remember feeling emotional. I was like, Oh, I'm feeling emotions that I've been pushing down for so long because my body's flipping into that rest and digest and heals state, right? A lot of members were saying that, right? They're like, oh, some emotions are coming up. It's like, yay, we can feel again (laughs) because we're not running. 
Yeah. It's like your body finally feels safe mm-hmm. and it feels safe enough to actually feel anything that's present versus yeah. like I'm in survival. I need to only do survival based things, yep. right? Like it's not going to feel like good survival to be like, Oh, I'm in this, like I'm feeling my emotions and I'm connected and I'm digesting my food, right? Like those mm-hmm. are things that we can only do when we're safe. Yeah. So just tap into the power of your breath and right. actually use that to your advantage to slowly breathe in, not these big breaths and actually feel your nervous system settle down. Right. What I was going to say next is once we, you know, once you deal with the stress is too, sometimes we have to utilize digestive enzymes and supplement with hydrochloric acid to help us break down our food and absorb our food better until we get our own digestive tract to like jumpstart and take over the reins and make their own enzymes again. So a lot of times in my consults, I recommend Zypan. Dosing is very tricky though. So I don't know if we'll have time to talk about dosing in this podcast, but you have to get your dosing right with Zypan. Otherwise you can overcorrect and having too much hydrochloric acid can cause, you know, digestive issues too. Um, But, you know, taking digestive enzymes to help you break down your food, or if you don't have a gallbladder, you need to be taking Colacol with every single meal that has fat for the rest of your life. Because here's something interesting. Let's go back to the liver and the gallbladder, right? The liver produces the bile, the gallbladder stores the bile. And when food comes, that gallbladder contracts and releases a robust amount of bile onto food to emulsify fat. When you get rid of that gallbladder, the liver is still making bile, but it's dripping, 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 dripping into the small intestine. And guess what? There are certain bacteria that love to feed off of bile that's not mixed with food. So it can trigger SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. How many people have their gallbladders taken out and they have digestive issues for the rest of their life? They have the runs all the time or they're bloated and they're gassy. And it's because of that drip, 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 dripping, right? And so we well, stop eating fat to avoid yes. digestive issues and we need fat to absorb mm-hmm. a lot of our vitamins. Yes. And here's another funny thing. And a lot of people are going to be like, oh my gosh, the shoe just dropped, right? The other shoe just dropped. Doctors are not going to tell you, like they're going to say, oh, there's no complications from taking out the gallbladder, right? The complications come in 10 years time, you guys. It comes later and it shows up as neurological disorders because you actually need to break down fat to restore tissues and neural tissue and brain tissue requires a lot of fat for that. So it comes in like brain fog and neurological issues, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, you name it, MS. It also can show up as autoimmune dysfunctions, muscle aches and pains, joint aches and pains. Like fat is so important for healing and repairing and distributing fat-soluble vitamins A, D, E, and K to damaged tissues. So if we are not emulsifying and absorbing our fat, we are not delivering A, D, E, and K to damaged tissues. And so our bodies are breaking down faster, right? And so, and that breaking down-age, that's not even a word, but the body breaking down, it will only manifest in years to come. And guess what? You're not thinking of your doctor that took out your gallbladder 10 years ago when you're showing signs and symptoms of that, because it's hard to connect those dots, right? So that's one thing to be really mindful of. Please take bile salts with every meal that has fat. If you do not have a gallbladder, make sure you are doing that. Digestive enzymes, probiotics are next. I love the gut infection protocol or the gut restoration protocol. But again, if you start it and it's causing bloat and gassiness, like you want to go low and slow and like introduce one product at a time. But Gina, what about like, let's talk about foods, right? Can you talk to people about, I can talk protocols all day long, but why don't you tell listeners what we should be doing as far as like lifestyle changes and foods go? What should we be cutting out and what should we we be introducing more of as we are trying to heal our guts? 
Yeah. I always encourage people to get those good anti-inflammatory foods just to work in for gut healing. Things like aloe vera are so nourishing to the gut. Things like bone broth, turmeric, those good anti-inflammatory foods and compounds are so healing for the gut. And we really want to avoid the opposite, right? The inflammatory ones. We talked a lot about glyphosate and how that actually is a, was developed as an antibiotic, right? Yes, it's patented so as an antibiotic. Was- and yet all of our wheat fields that are non-organic are drenched in glyphosate because they use it as a desiccant before harvesting the wheat. So yeah, so we're all like microdosing on glyphosate, which is, we're all eating antibiotics basically. Yeah, I mean, definitely going organic as much as possible. It does make a difference. I like to use the clean 15. If you're really trying to prioritize like, what are the foods that you might not need organic? Like the clean 15 tends to be the better ones, right? Yes. The dirty dozen are like the ones that are really heavily sprayed or mm-hmm. tend to be the highest risk or toxicity. Right. So if you go to the ewg.org and that's the environmental working group and you look up their dirty dozen list, they come out with a new one every year. Those are the ones you really want organic as much as possible. A hundred percent. And again, like foods, like if you are, I need to heal my gut. I have so much gut dysfunction. And you're following these steps, right? Stress, digestive enzymes, cutting out, like making sure you're getting organic when possible and avoiding glyphosate. Other foods that you want to avoid are gluten, dairy, corn, soy, sugar, peanuts. For some people, they might have to cut, like they might have to go like full-blown autoimmune paleo and cut out like nuts and legumes. But again, like- You know, it was really interesting. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, I went to a conference and they were just looking at just a normal person and the impacts of whether it's gluten or the glyphosate, but they did like this imaging. I don't know if it's like an MRI. I wish I knew what what it was, but whatever that is, where they can look at the imaging like of the cells and they did the scan. And so you could see the cells of a normal person of the intestinal lining. And then they Mm. had them eat a piece of pizza. And within four hours, you could actually see the separation of the cells. Holy cow. So when we talk about leaky gut, Leaky gut is the separation of the cells. It's like these tight junction proteins that hold the cells together. Mm -hmm. And it actually loosens up those tight junction proteins. And so you could actually visually see within four hours of eating pizza. This wasn't over years, times of eating pizza every day for a week. It was like they ate this pizza. And then within four hours, you could actually visually see the gap in the cells. Yeah, that's insane. You know, and what's funny is those junctions between cells. There's seven of them. There's a lot. Like there's because they're so important to keep those cells together. And so the fact that we're eating foods that's ripping apart those seven different junctions, it's remarkable and remarkable in a bad way. And unfortunately, we do live in a day and age where like the majority of the food that we're eating is just not building our bodies up. You know, I'm going to say this again. I've said it a hundred times, but we have three opportunities a day to either build our bodies up or break them down. And that's at breakfast, lunch and dinner. And I love Dr. Uma Naidu. She said the power is at the end of your fork. Right. And so let's just be mindful of the foods that are building our bodies up and the foods that are breaking it down. Right. But kind of tying that back in, because, again, food is very emotional. Right. And so we want to make sure that you're in a really healthy space or place where you're like, you know what, I'm in a good place that I can cut out these foods without feeling, without it triggering any deep emotional wounds. And what I mean by that are like food or eating disorders, right? Like make sure you're in a good place mentally. Maybe that requires you working with a coach or a therapist. Maybe that requires some ketamine therapy around that to help reprogram that neuroplasticity and those neuropathways in your brain 
to create a different relationship with your food, right? Because again, that goes back to step one, mindset. Did we heal any kind of emotional stories that we've been holding onto around food and our value around food? I was talking with a young girl. I did her hair scan and it takes a while for the hair scan to come in. So I'm just talking with them while the hair scan is coming in. And I could just hear how her relationship to her food, I was like, Mm, it's not the food. It's something else. Like, but the way she was talking about the food, I could tell she had this eating disorder and all these things. And, and I knew that when her hair scan came up, emotions was going to show up as number one. Right. And so I was like, there's this control around her and food and her relationship to food. And I asked her and I kept asking her and I kept going back. What's your relationship like with your mom? And that's when the floodgates opened and it was like, that was it. Right. And, and I was like, wow. it's not the food. It's what happened as you were being raised and how your mom spoke to you about you and your body and the food you were consuming. And so it's the thing under the thing under the thing, right? So I actually referred her to a psychologist and I was like, we got to unpack that before we do any healing in the food department. She had IBS actually. Interesting, right? <laughs> we should do a whole nother episode just on the power and stories of the hair scan and learning more about right. that. I mean, that absolutely right. blew my mind. It was so spot on. When it's Raj so cool. To, yeah, keep going. Uh, when Raj and I came to visit you, Raj was having all of these gut issues that I don't even think that you knew about just mm-hmm. kind of temporarily. And he's like, I don't know what's happening to me. Yeah. And it came up as like this like gut toxicity that his body was trying to get rid of something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, it's like without you even knowing anything, any background, of course, like adrenals comes up as like number one for me, right? Like yeah. my, yeah. my <laughs> health has been... Learning about my stress hormones and my emotions and that emotional connection. And it's, yeah, that came up number, like everything was so spot on. Anyways, I don't want to sidetrack from that, but. No, like the hair scan is phenomenal, right? And you know, and so amazing. Kind of going back to that story of like, if I told this young girl, it's like, yeah, let's just cut out more food. Let's just cut out more food. It would have driven that disorder even further and further. And I would have caused more harm, right? And so that's why I say we have to make sure we are in a really good mental state. That's why I was like, you need to talk, you need to go to a psychologist and this needs healing and then the IBS will heal and then let's talk food and then let's talk protocols. But there is this mindset approach that needs to be unearthed and healed before we can go into gut, before we can go into mitochondria. I've had so many, so many people before who have seen every gastroenterologist and they don't give them answers. And so they just white label this. Oh, well, you just have IBS. Ugh. And then they actually do the work and they heal their emotions. Yes. And, their and the IBS goes away. Like, oh, my IBS goes away. Mm-hmm. Such a nervous system issue, you guys. It really wow. is. And again, because the nervous system literally changes the blood flow of your gut. Right. And that is going to change and pH the, and the makeup of your gut bacteria and your bacteria. Too, right? Yes. So, So people are like, oh, well, I actually have a gut infection. So it's not my nervous system, but your nervous system alters the composition of your gut bacteria. Right. It does. Isn't that insane? It is so insane. There's this book everyone needs to read. It's called The Gut-Brain Connection. And the scientists actually say that the gut was formed before the brain, right? And so what came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, these scientists Mm -hmm. are saying it was the microbiome. The microbiome actually formed the nervous system. And they talk back and forth and back and forth, right? We always say the gut is the second brain. We're like, oh, no, actually, it was the first. And it's just so cool that they are so intertwined and interlinked, right? And so when your nervous system is hyperactivated, your microbiome is going to completely change. I actually know this is probably TMI. I have suffered. Oh, my gosh. Oh, this is TMI. I'm sorry. I've suffered with constipation my entire life. 
I learned when I was 22 that deer poops was not real poops. I thought it was like hard balls that floated, right? And I was like, what? It has to be soft and S-shaped? Are you kidding me? 22 years, I thought it was these deer poop things, right? I thought you're supposed to like push and strain and all these things. So that's like my weak link, right? I know when I am stressed and my life is out of balance when I'm more constipated. And I don't know it from my brain. I know it from my body. I'm like, oh no, I'm not in a good place right now. Okay, I need to back off of a few things. Like it is so cool how our body is constantly sending us signals all the time. And your gut and your brain are like twins. They literally, they are so tethered together. They don't look like twins. They're conjoined people. Yeah. (laughs) They're attached. They're Siamese twins. And they look completely different, but they're Siamese twins where one goes, the other goes, right? And so we just need to be really mindful that your microbiome is going to react and respond according to how your nervous system is. And so if you have IBS and you're trying to heal it through medication and supplements, but not through stress management, there's a problem there. So I want to challenge people that have IBS or have gut issues. Think about when you started getting those symptoms and what were some really big life events or changes that happened? You might find that around that time COVID hit, or you might find that you lost your job or your spouse had a baby and you guys stopped sleeping or who knows what you moved out of the house or you went to college or look for these big life events that happened. Maybe, I don't know. Those are all my examples, but do some investigating, some self-investigating. What else do we want to talk about as far as we've spoken about foods? We've spoken about stress. The the last thing I think is really important that we should talk about is sugar, artificial sweeteners, sugar alcohols, like just a note on how those can impact the gut microbiome. Yes. So um, I have seen a lot of anecdotal evidence in my office and on me personally around sugar alcohols. I don't love sugar alcohols and I don't or, you know, use them sparingly and everyone is different. But I have seen clients that will eat sugar alcohols and they get flare ups, right? Anything that causes bloat and gassiness is not a good sign, right? One of our mutual friends, Grace, actually. <laughs> Hi, Grace. She was saying how her and her husband like eat one of the a big pan of those Lakanto brownies. You know, it's Lakanto sweetener with the sugar alcohol and the yep. fruit. And they're like, we're gassy We've for been days. To those two. I know. And they're like, we're just gassy for days. And I'm like, that's not a good sign. It's probably the sugar alcohols, right? I we pers- actually don't feel well after eating those. No. We recently were like, eh, maybe not. Right. Maybe that's not for us. So before I started my emotional healing journey, this is sugar alcohol related. I'll give you my personal experience and not, but a lot of clients like their flares go away after cutting out sugar alcohols. But my personal experience is I had a lot of digestive issues starting and I will tell you the day it started. I know the exact day all of my bloat and gassiness and burping and heartburn started. When we walked out of the doctor's office that told us that Tristan had two years left to live and that we had no more options. I started having all these digestive issues. I became a gut health expert because I wanted to fix them. And I used to take about four to seven Zypan per meal, which is a lot. That's a lot. A lot. Most of the time it was like seven. And I was taking digestive enzymes per meal and it helped get rid of my heartburn and it helped me digest my food until I started doing all my healing. So I hadn't started doing my emotional healing. And I remember every time I would have the sugar alcohol sweetened chocolate chips, I would get UTIs like that. Boom, boom, boom. I'm like, what is happening? These are supposed to be healthy. But every time I'd eat them, I would get a UTI. Literally, like I could have a little bit, but as soon as I passed a certain threshold, boom, the next day I woke up with a UTI and I was like, why? So that's my personal experience. But what's really interesting is 
as soon as I started to do all my emotional healing and go to like my healing retreats and all that and started unpacking my traumas, I stopped becoming dependent on digestive enzymes like that. Like literally, I wouldn't say it was overnight, but it was in like two months. It was like four years of utilizing Zypan and digestive enzymes gone. Now I hardly ever use them ever. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. I was popping them like candy every single day. I couldn't Mm -hmm. go to restaurants without my Zypan, without my Enzycor, without my Maltizyme. And now it's like, oh, what Maltizyme? What Zypan? (laughs) So, um, so yeah, I think that's a great point that some people are like, well, does that mean I'm going to have to take this forever? And it's like, maybe if your stress response stays so high forever, that you suppress your body's natural production. But Mm -hmm. maybe if along the way, you're also doing the work, learning how to regulate your nervous system, maybe not. I think overall summary, just really focusing on really healing the gut and just Mm -hmm. taking care of it. Even if you're not having signs and symptoms, taking care of the gut and starting with tapping into your nervous system, really Mm -hmm. feeling it, taking a moment to just pause and breathe with your body. There's tons of YouTube videos Mm -hmm. on how to breathe to actually calm your nervous system. And then just being mindful of like the foods that you're eating and know that the more colorful, natural, unprocessed, fibrous foods are going to feed those good gut bacteria, where the more processed inflammatory ones are really going to take that, that wear and tear and getting that digestion on point, connecting the mind and the body as you're eating, getting that digestion going and doing your best to avoid things like a lot of sugar, artificial right. sweeteners, minimizing sugar alcohols, taking care of that gut. You know, and what's really fun is this whole podcast recording is kind of almost like first class in the Gutsy membership around the Gutsy Health membership. It's literally, it's a course that takes you through the order of healing, right? And each segment, it's making you become an expert in the order of healing. And what we just went over today is section three, which is gut. And it's the first class because understanding how the nervous system and the gut are intertwined and there are these Siamese twins that work together all the time is so crucial. And so you guys kind of got a little bit of a crash course in that first class. Um, The other classes Mm -hmm. that we unpack are all the protocols around all the different dysfunctions and issues. And like, what do you take? How do you supplement? What foods do you take? Like when it comes to IBS or IBD, you know, you learn about the gut infection protocol. I have information in my safe stories, you guys, at Gutsy Mom, Gutsy underscore mom, look at my microbiome saved highlights where I talk about the gut infection protocol. But again, it's a whole lifestyle makeover, right? And so that's why we create these courses for you to become an expert so that you don't have to schedule expensive appointments with your doctors or with your coach for them to spoon feed it to you. You can actually learn it yourself. And what's really awesome about us revamping the membership is we're throwing in the mindset piece every month with Britt Lefko with our Zoom calls. So even though each segment is like mitochondria and gut and liver and adrenals and hormones and brain, even though we're going to be unpacking each one of those every month in a cohort style starting later this year, uh, we're going to have Britt Lefko on a Zoom call with our members every month asking, how are we integrating mindset with this this month? What are we doing? What are the blocks? Because that is so key. I would say that is 50% of the work. And we can't keep rushing over it. And so that's why we're revamping the membership so that people are always being brought back to mindset. It's not just two courses that you listen to and you're done. It's like, how are we integrating? How are we integrating? How are we integrating? Right. And just as you heard in this podcast, it is one of the most important things about healing your gut. Yes. Enzymes help. Yes. Food helps. 
But if you don't start from the brain down, if you don't look upstream, literally upstream to your brain, the control center, it's pointless. So if you are interested in becoming an expert, a self-healing expert, can I share one thing? I got this message from a follower yesterday. And you guys, this is the future. Like this is how I see our world changing is we become our own healing experts. So when we're talking with doctors, we're actually educating them. And we are saying, hey, look how I brought down my thyroid markers by half just by lifestyle changes. Now, again, this is a medical advice. So please talk to your doctor. I'm probably going to say that. But she says, can I say I did the hair analysis last March in Temecula and had my consultation. Saw my doctor to get my thyroid checked. Turns out I was on the verge of hypothyroid. Refused medication and made 90% of the changes recommended in Provo Health's consultation. Two to three months later, blood work again, and it improved by over half just by diet changes, added supplements, a tad more exercise. Isn't that cool? So anyways, her doctor says she recommended I see an endocrinologist anyway. And though I knew what to expect, I thought I'd give it a chance. But she had to wait seven months for this appointment. She says she declined medication and told her doctor her whole experience last year. The doctor was inquisitive, respectful, and sweet. Then straight up said, I'm an allopathic doctor and not a naturopath. So if you want to continue with diet, et cetera, that's fine. But I will recommend hormones when it is necessary. And you can't wait any longer. (laughs) So I loved her blunt truthness. She ordered blood work and will chat with me on recent results. But oh my gosh, I was informing her about bromine, iodine, glutamine, gluten, vitamin D with magnesium. This is it, you guys. I am better off helping myself at this point. Thanks for providing hope and content for those like me. Yes. <gasps> Mic drop. Isn't that so good? Chills. Isn't that That's so amazing. good? She was so empowered. She was so educated. She saw that. The, wow. like, and she said she didn't do them perfectly, right? You don't have to do them perfectly. That's what we're doing this for. Yes. Right? Like we want everyone to feel that way. Like I am so smart that I have these tools. Like if I need a doctor, if I need a something, if I need a prescription, I can get it, but I'm going into the appointment super empowered over yes. like, Wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. Why would I not take control over this through diet as much as I possibly can? I know, like, right? Amazing. I love that she said, I'm that better off helping myself at this point. And I'm like, hell yes. This is the future of our health system. This is the future of medicine is we help ourselves mostly. And then we go to our doctors and be like, hey, do I need a little touch up here or there? What do you think? Be be a part of my team. Let's be a team. Like, let's be collaborative. Mm -hmm. You're not like coming to them as like, I'll do whatever you say. Full trust. Like if you are going full fallback trust call with your doctor, like, yeah, yeah, they get 15 minutes with you. Like Mm -hmm. they're not invested in you. Like they are dedicated to you. It should be like, we are a team together. Like, hey, what do you know that I don't know? Can we talk about this in my body? And that they listen. A hundred percent. And you know, and I just shared a post earlier this week of my own labs, right? I went to my doctor to get labs because I wanted to check my thyroid and my team, you know, they're seeing my little thyroid tremor and they're like, should you go get tested? I'm like, no, I'm fine. And I finally went to get tested and my doctor emails back and he's like, um, his exact wording was your labs look amazing. I was like, that's nice. I'm just going to take a look at them myself, right? And so I put them in and I can see beginning signs of Graves disease. I can. And I'm like, oh, crap. All right. I have work to do. But I'm catching it now and not when I'm full blown Graves. Right. Like the same thing with my labs, too. Right. Go ahead. What do they do? Just that they 
tend to not pick up on the slight shifts Mm -hmm. when things are beginning to move out of range. And so when things start to fall into those patterns of not optimal, unless it's already diagnosed as a disease, a lot of the time they're just like, you're You're fine. You're fine. See me if you have a disease. Yeah. Come and see me if you're full blown diseased and your inflammation is rampant and, um, and you can't function anymore, right? Like you're in bed all the time. And so being able to like catch like dysfunction earlier on in the game is so much easier to reverse than getting it late and later stages. Right. And trust me, later stages of graves is not fun. I've been there and it requires a lot of work to like fix. So, so if you're not feeling good, guys, one, become an expert in your body, get inquisitive and you know, like you don't need to have a PhD. Oh my gosh. Like you totally don't. Right. But start learning and then recruit doctors to be a part of your team and to help you when you are in choice and you're educated about part that they play in your healing. Right. And that's it. That's it. You guys, that's our soapbox for the day and our fun stories to share. Uh, We hope you loved this podcast as much as we did. We hope you feel so empowered about digestion and why it's so important. And we'll catch you either on Instagram or at the next episode. Or if you're curious about the membership, go to mygutsyhealth.com. We will be doing signups for the new, we're doing cohorts, you guys. So we're not doing like this whole like sign up whenever you want thing anymore. We're doing cohorts and sign up for our new cohort. We'll start April, May, and then the coursework is going to start in June. And we're doing the coursework together in a group with the coaching together in a group too. So if you're interested, keep your eyes and ears open for that, or just go to My Gutsy Health around April, May, and you can sign up for the new cohort and learn to become an expert in your healing journey and over your body this year. Like how cool. By the time it's Christmas, you will like be an expert in your body. Like amazing. Isn't that so cool? Okay. Okay. Thanks guys. Thank you for listening to the Gutsy Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed and learned a lot from this episode. For more updates, follow us on Instagram at Gutsy Health Podcast. 